It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. From coast to coast, border to border, and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Laugh and learn while you listen to a brilliant display of radio. Online, online. with Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. All my friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here on WMCK.FM, 107.5 FM, WLDJ, 1620 AM Huntingdon, Mixtape Radio International, Steel FM, WWSX, Radio 99.1, Rehoboth, Orca Radio, and streaming online at italknet.com. Well, special edition of the program tonight... And I wonder why. Uh, (laughs) It has been an interesting day in the United States today as they were getting ready to confirm Joe Biden as president of the United States with the electoral votes. And then all hell broke loose. And speaking about the hell breaking loose, I have John Daly on the phone. John, how are you doing this evening? (laughs) Bill, I'm doing great, thank you, and no better to talk about hell breaking loose than me. <laughs> well, when this was going on today, it, um, it, what was interesting is I was not in front of the TV, which which I wish I would have been, because I had to take my youngest or my daughter to a doctor's appointment. So she's in with the doctor, and I'm on the phone watching all this happen, and part mm-hmm. of it I'm in the car listening to it because. The uh, the uh, Senate and the House met at 2 o'clock, and then at 2.30, these people just stormed the Capitol, and I'm going, what the heck is going on here? And then if you go back at it, you heard what the president had to say this morning. Did you ever think we were going to get a, get a point like this where people were actually going to storm the Capitol? Um. You know, I would have thought it would have happened sooner, to okay. be honest with you. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, we talked somewhere right around the election. 
And I really thought when he didn't win or when they were starting to count ballots, we did see a little bit of violence. So I thought we were going to see a little bit more there. Right. Um, I, I guess um, I'm not surprised that this happened because uh, I've kind of expected it at some point. Um, I think the thing that kind of threw maybe the majority of people off was that uh, the networks didn't cover you know, the only networks that covered Trump's speech this morning that was very inciting yes. was AON, Fox News, and, um, and Newsmax. And I, and I don't have cable, so I actually found it online at the local affiliate that was broadcasting uh, it out of D.C., and I started watching it, and I'm going, how are they allowed to put this stuff on TV? Because, I mean, yes. he was gone all over the place about storming the Capitol. I will lead you there in a march. We got it. And, and I'm going, wait a minute. Does this guy realize what he's saying? Not only him, but Ju Rudy Giuliani made comments earlier that they were going to protest. Uh, I forget the exact words, but basically he said we were going to fight and we were going to die for our right. And I'm going, okay, yeah. this is getting really extreme, people. Yeah, and then you hear some of the protesters who talked to some of the reporters, and and they thought when they were storming, when they were, that Trump was right there with them. Yeah, they thought he, they were. You know, they, and he he took he took off and went back to the Oval <laughs> Office. Yeah, he took the fork in the road and went back home. Um, yeah, it, it it was a situation where I never thought I would see something happen, and then, and I actually have the audio of this because everybody else. Uh, doesn't I'll play it for you right now of his speech his pre-recorded speech that he gave to the public after Joe Biden and everybody called him out and said president you have to come out and speak and this is what he said this one minute and two second video I know your pain I know you're hurt we had an election that was stolen from us it was a landslide election and everyone knows it especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. And he never condemned it. He said yeah. he loves these people. Go home in peace. It was like, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. Then I pulled up the video clip of the end of the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and I'm going, wait, that's exactly what Ferris said. Go home. It's over. <laughs> I'm going, this is unbelievable. Good analogy. I, I like that. I, that's good. I, and, you know, and he, here's, here's where, his, he, where he's sick and brilliant at the same time, too, combined. And the sickness is, is that he's just he he's just on a destructive path. Yes, and he doesn't really care. The brilliance is, is that he's turned all these people into heroes, where they are 
they are the hero in their own movie, their own story. I keep going back to the uh, to the guy who um, he was a QAnon guy, and he went and he he shot up the pizza place in Washington D.C. because QAnon and everybody else had said they had babies right. in the bottom, they had kids down there. It was the pedophile. And if right. you listen, yeah, and if you listen to. They had a recording of the guy's phone call when he's calling his daughter when he's going to do this, and it's almost it's 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 like it's like Schwarzenegger. It's like the greatest hero who's going to save kids yeah. and he's going to do it. And, and and what what Trump has done, again with you know I'm I'm thinking it's like thirty percent of our country, is that they've gotten them so. Um, their wires in their brains so miscalculated and and i do and this is where i blame the media a lot uh because i keep talking about the sports and entertainment bias and what we do is we create these um these scenarios where you know it's the protagonist against the antagonist it's one team against the other team and that's the way the media presents so many stories to make it more interesting to people and you what you're doing is is you're getting so many people including these sick people and trump's just taking advantage of it that they're the hero we've got to do this i've got to stick up for donald trump right these people are stealing the country this is fraud we're going to have black people controlling it the socialists are going to be here and we're fighting for it. I'm doing this. I'm the hero. Everybody wants to be the hero of their story. And that's what we've created in this country here. And, and granted, Trump's just taking advantage of it. But I do say, I do think the media, I'm not saying the newspaper media, because they're, they're the ones, I, I think they're the ones, are the ones that are really exposing everything. But definitely, you know, my medium, the television yes. medium, we're guilty of that. We are very, what? very guilty of that. And I, and, and, I, and I also uh, think the cable networks are more guilty of it than the major networks because the cable networks, I would agree. they have to basically regenerate this stuff and regurgitate it over and over again, and they have to make it interesting because they are on a 24-hour news cycle. CBS, ABC, and I guess you could say NBC, and not MSNBC, but NBC, they only have a short period of time to tell the story. So they're only doing it in short sound bites. So them i think they're doing a little bit more investigating and getting the information out however tonight everybody's on the air with this and everybody is broadcasting it and doing every different story what i think is very interesting though is a lot of the trump media supporters such as sean hannity go look at his twitter feed go try to find him he won't mention what happened in dc today no he'll talk about other things that are affecting the party and I'm thinking, yeah. Sean, you're part of the problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's, you know, he's not gonna, he's not gonna hurt himself because it's, it's making money for him. Um, I, I keep, uh, you know, today I was, um, I was in front of the television. So when this was all happening, and I wanted to watch the beginning of it, I just want to see, okay, what they're gonna do. And then all of a sudden, I'm going like, oh my god, yeah. I've got to stay here. And yeah. so I had about three or four things going, watching different things. But I and so I I was switching back between the the three cable ones and um, and CNN and MSNBC was MSNBC were reporting. Okay, there's some things going on. <laughs> I switched to Fox and I heard Brett Bear say, um, "Well, for the most part, this is a uh, this is a calm protest. Yes, even though there are injuries. Yes, I'm going like what? So I repeated it and I put it on there and I was just like." 
you guys got to really stop it. Yeah. I mean, it's this is this is just ridiculous. So I, I think all all of the the entertainment media or what I would call the broadcast media, I, I think they're all you know distantly culpable. I would say the Fox News is is directly culpable for this, and I think we've we've gotten away from it. Now, are they the only ones? No. I think our education system, they don't teach civics anymore. No, not at all. People don't understand what governs, what government is for and why we have it. And and I got to tell you, you 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 sent one of the best articles. I was just going to mention uh, that. To me. And and that and and his and it was it was in the Irish Times, it was an opinion piece. And one of the great things he pointed out was <clears throat> Trump's goal is to destroy government. Right. Because government gets in the way of, make, of certain people making profits. And that is what he is trying to do. And when you think about it, <clears throat> he's done a brilliant job when you consider, look what the COVID's going on. I mean, all this oh, stuff. Yeah. You know, when you look at Hawley and you look at Ted Cruz, and they just want to continue. Oh, we want 10 days of, of looking. No, we've got a pandemic. And it's like, you know, folks are dying. And, you, and you're worried about this? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. And, uh, and I, do think, I do think the media has a lot to do with it. I do think our education has a lot to do with it. I think we've gotten really lax uh, as, a, as a country looking at things. We're too worried about profits. And we've allowed... You know, just to select through to really have all the profits. What I thought was interesting today, and like I said, I only watch bits and pieces of his speech at the rally today. And he made a comment, and I haven't heard this, especially from a president or anybody that high in power. And local representatives, yes. Local senators, yes. But he was talking about education, how the schools are trying to indoctrinate your children. And I'm thinking, first off, do people understand what that means? Because basically, it's just another word for teaching. But when you say indoctrinate, it sounds really bad. These people had no clue. There were words that were being used today on both sides of the aisle that people had to get their dictionaries out on their phone to understand what they were saying because they mm -hmm. didn't understand because they were talking above them. But if the word sounds bad, it must be bad. And that's what was frustrating me about it today. They interviewed, and I caught this um, before I had to leave the house today, they interviewed a uh, a retired Navy personnel. I don't know if he was a, a retired SEAL or whatever he was, but he made the comment about the the reporter came up to him and said, "Sir, I understand you're retired military because he had the he had the uh, paraphernalia on." And she goes to him. She goes, "So what do you feel about them storming the Capitol, the the building? They're actually going and attacking." He goes, "That's perfectly fine." He said, "That's our house. That's our building. We have to do it." And she goes, "Excuse me, sir." And he goes, "This is what Q, QAnon is telling us." And I'm thinking, "Oh my goodness!" So now not only do we have retired military believing this, mm -hmm. but we also have them following this this fake conspiracy that it was made up by somebody because the whole idea was they wanted to undermine the strength of our government. And right now, mm -hmm. I can guarantee Vladimir Putin is sitting in Russia, in Moscow right now, having a time of his life popping every bottle of champagne he can find and laughing hysterically because he got what he wanted. Well, I would correct you on that. I think it would be vodka. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, but yeah. vodka doesn't make a good popping sound, though. But okay, I'll give you that. It, it, it can, but you can freeze it and, it, it, and it tastes even better. That's true. Um, I, I think, and you know, it's interesting you say that, because I, I said, man, I hope the CIA is down there in the midst of this, yes. because there has got to be either Russian or Chinese agents that are there uh, trying to either gather information, plant stuff. I mean, that's that's the one thing I was thinking today, was this this, this is the chance in a lifetime for our foreign enemies to to get stuff done and for all we know these you know some of these guys who were there uh, you know one of them one of them was just a state legislature a legislator uh, elected in west virginia he was down there you know protesting and and filming the whole thing well, uh, we had one and, too that was he lost to connor lamb two cycles ago by the name of rick sacone who was a, a PA representative of north of the city of Pittsburgh, who said that we're storming the walls and taking government back. And they're playing it on the local news, and all of us are up here going, we knew the man was crazy, but we didn't realize he was this nuts. Um, yeah. But the, you're right. It, it, it It's just a situation out there. Now, one thing I want to ask you, which really has nothing to do with our conversation tonight, but they were flags in the crowd today and they were yellow flags with three red stripes, which, when I looked at it, it's the South, Viet, uh, South Vietnam, Vietnam flag. Why would there be South Vietnam flags in the middle of a, a, of a rally of this kind? Well, and especially, um, well, of course, they were the non-communist. Right. Um, that's a good question. That's I, a really good question, and, you know. And I saw that, and I, I didn't I actually didn't pay attention to exactly what that was. Well, I saw the "Don't Tread on Me" flags. I saw the Trump flags. I saw all these flags, and I'm seeing one going yellow with three red stripes. What is that? And then when I looked it up online, it was South Vietnam. I'm going, why would they be here protesting? So I didn't understand what the purpose of that was. But I did some see. I did see some Chinese flags. I did see. Um, there was a big poster that that had what was it CCP on it. We saw stuff with a sickle and um, uh, we saw stuff representing the Soviet Union. We saw all that stuff, but again, it was just it was just odd that these people who were fighting for democracy were supporting communist regimes, and I didn't understand that. Um, what was interesting, and there was um, there was actually a pretty big protest in San Jose today, and it was uh, done by, uh, and I'm just looking this up now, the Vietnamese movement for Trump. Okay. And the only thing I can think of is that they think the Democrats are like the North Vietnamese. Gotcha. Okay. You know, the, the communists and all that. So that's about the only thing, that, you know, he's just, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you know, what the Republicans have done is... Um, they're communists. Yeah. You know, you got OAC, OAC there. You got communists. You got socialism coming in. They're coming to to take it away. They're taking away everything from us, and we're gonna we're gonna be living like, you know, like China back in the seventies. Right. Stuff like that. So that's what I think it is. But you know what? Good eye. The fact that you spotted that, and I I remember seeing it, and I didn't pay attention to it. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably what it is. Which, after you explaining it, that does make some sense. But just just what we saw today, my son, <clears throat> who is 20 years old, he's a junior in college, he, he read a quote to me that I thought was interesting concerning the Confederate flag, that during the Civil War, 
the Confederacy never made it further than, I believe it was Fort Sumter, into D.C. Mm-hmm. However, today was the first time a Confederate flag has ever been in the Capitol. Yeah, and I'm that. going, yeah. that's really sad. And not only sad, but there was a U.S. flag taken down and someone hoisted up a Donald Trump flag. Well, and that was mentioned on the Senate floor tonight, and they said that is not what we're here for. And it's just, it, again, it's a situation where we knew he was inciting this type of radical behavior. I don't think that we thought it would go this far. We also thought that there would be there would be procedures in place to stop something from happening. When we have protests in D.C. any other time, like Black Lives Matter or the Million Man March or whatever it may be, there is security. They knew how many people were going to be there today. It was lacking in security. And now there's well, a rumor flying that Trump wouldn't let the National Guard come in because he didn't feel it was necessary. Well, there's and there, there's also, and, and this could be a little conspiracy theory on the other side, that it was... Um, that within, whether it's the National Guard, whether it's within the uh, the uh, Capitol Police uh, or the local police department, that there's a lot of Trump supporters yes. there. And that um, they kind of, you know, they allowed them to kind of get in there. You know, you saw pictures of the cops taking when, they, when the protesters in there taking selfies yeah. with them. And then you and saw you saw it whenever the whole thing started. You saw them opening up the gates; they were literally yeah. unlocked and they were swinging them open. But someone yeah. said the reason they did that is because they were outnumbered and they were afraid they were going to get hurt. I'm thinking that's well uh, a really odd excuse, but okay. Well, and here's the other thing I was thinking too, and I had actually had a friend raise this to me, was that. If if those cops had opened fire, yeah, I guess they did on one of the people. But if they had done a massive open fire, then you would have had a massive open fire back. Right, those people probably were they were, were armed. They were and, heavily armed. And if you had that, you and and then the police, they would have been like, okay, we're going to get hit with we created this massacre, and to, they probably said, okay, you know, it, it, there's no good choice here. I think we've got to let them do this and avoid a, avoid a bigger bloodshed. Right. And I think that's maybe what they did. But I do think that there was – I think they've got to look and see if there was something going on there as far as, uh, you know, allowing this to happen and um, letting it go through because it's and, – and like you were saying, and I posted a picture. I posted a picture from – back in June when they had the BLM yes. protest in DC and I mean guys in fatigues lining all up and down the steps of the Capitol and armed and it's like you didn't see that today no not at all you didn't see even anything like that and uh, you know and as you know, someone someone said to me can you imagine if there was those are black protesters that were doing that? oh yeah they would have been taken down you would have had a bloodbath today yeah you would have had that bloodbath my my daughter, so, who I said was thirteen, commented to me, and we're listening to this on the on the radio, and she's going, "Dad, why aren't they using rubber bullets?" And I didn't say anything. She goes, yeah. 
they only use rubber bullets on black people. I'm going, wow, a 13-year-old is able to rationalize why they were not defending it. And it's because a lot of it had to do with skin color. And now the best part is, is now all these people that are saying that the Black Lives Matter and Antifa were actually the ones doing the barricading today and were, were overtaking the Capitol. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm thinking, I saw that on there. Did, did did you notice there weren't very many people of color? And if there were, there were very few, and they were going in the opposite direction. I'm going. Yeah. I don't think so. You need to own up to this one and take responsibility for it. But the, my favorite meme, and my son showed this one to me today, is the people that were climbing the Capitol wall, <laughs> and the meme goes. The Magna supporters prove prove Donald Trump wrong. Yes, we can make it over the wall. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> that is just so perfect because they were so afraid of people coming after them, and they're no better because they're going after people. And I feel really bad for the young lady that was shot today. Yeah. But she, it was breaking and entering, and we don't know the circumstance behind the shooting. We don't know if there was someone there that lifted up, because uh, there was a lot of semi-automatic uh, weapons there. And um, and you don't know what was happening. You don't know if the cop felt he was fearful. I mean, there's video right now of cops with billy clubs literally running in the other direction. Because yep. there are more, more, I don't want to use the pro- word protesters. I want to use the ter- term rioters or terrorists that were coming after him. And they didn't know how to respond. I mean, and there were cops that looked fear like they were fearing for their lives that this would never happen, especially in the United States, let alone in a building that has that much um, symbolism to it. And it's considered a national park in a lot of ways. So, again, yep. it's just one of these situations that we're going to have to deal with. We are only, what, 12 days out from the inauguration of of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris What's going to happen over the next 12 days? Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty scary, especially when you're seeing, and you're seeing protests around the country yeah. that are kind of following this. And, and yesterday in Harrisburg, our own lieutenant governor who presides over the, 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 um, the Senate was basically voted out temporarily so he could not oversee the seating of senators and representatives yesterday because the Republicans felt that he shouldn't be there because there is a contested seat outside of the city of Pittsburgh between um, a gentleman by the name of Jim Brewster, who's the incumbent, and Nicole Ziccarelli, who is the Republican challenger, who is an attorney who is suing the state and suing the election board because they feel that the votes, even though they have been tallied multiple times, even though that they have been verified, that there were signatures that either weren't, they, they were signed, but they were not dated and they should not be counted. Well, the best part is the rules were written by the Republican House. They voted on them because their people lost. They tried to change them. So they would not let him take his seat. And he said, I will not do it. But they had to do theatrics yesterday and make it look more important than it was. And then Pennsylvania sent a letter to Donald Trump saying that they were going to look at doing a 10-day commission on trying to um, basically investigate the voter fraud in Pennsylvania. The bad thing is, 
what more were they going to look into? This thing has been over and done so many times that there's no more teeth left in the comb that's combing over it. That's the thing. That's the thing. They keep they keep harping on the same stuff. And unfortunately, you know, nobody gets a chance to read all the stuff that says, here's what it doesn't right. make sense about. Yeah. And, and, and no one's going to do that. Yeah. And, and again, we're dealing with a pandemic in this country where we can't get the vaccines out to the people that we need to get them to. We have people in D.C. today who aren't wearing masks, who are not taking precaution, who are not doing social distancing. I posted online, I believe it was last night, I said, I hope they're taking names of these people so they are last on the list to get the vaccination. Because really, why would you put your community at risk by doing this? Mm-hmm. But no, I, absolutely. But absolutely. I guess in their mind, and, and, it's not important. Well, again, it's all about their story and they're being the hero of their story and that's what they're going to do right uh, and make their life you know some someone else was telling me uh, that they thought that these guys wanted to get mowed down yeah they wanted to kind of go down in a blaze of glory because so, they wanted to go yeah. out as martyrs yeah yeah and i mean there's that too and the other thing i thought was interesting and i don't know if you thought about this either but they said when they stormed the Capitol, they were finding these offices like Nancy Pelosi's office. And you have a gentleman sitting there who mm-hmm. is with his feet on the desk. And someone said, do you realize how hard it is to find anybody's office in that building? That he was able to go there, sit behind her chair, and he actually took mail with him when he left. They were looting the Capitol. They were getting ready to have a bonfire of all the stuff they took out of the building. Yeah. I mean, this is not a high school pepper rally, people. This is our government, and there's um, there are there there are there's a feed on Twitter that I'm watching right now as we talk, and it says they're making arrest right now in D.C. They're arresting journalists. They're arresting journalists. Yes, and this poor woman that's walking out has a camera in her hand, and I cannot see what the placard is on the back of what who she's with but yes they're arresting journalists so i'm going you got to be kidding me so where did this wow. where did this message come down from wow that's amazing yeah and again but it probably isn't oan or it's not newsmax or fox it's probably somebody else it's probably someone from the uk or overseas that they're arresting because they don't want the story to get out. Well, that is really strange. I am not, I'm not seeing that. Uh... Yeah, the person that's posted it, her name is Zoanne Murphy. She's a uh, video journalist for the Washington Post. So it may be her that they're taking out. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So they're rolling the camera while we're being arrested for filming protests outside the Capitol. So it is her. Hmm. So, yeah, kind of interesting there. Never thought that would happen, especially after everything that went on today, that you're going now starting arresting journalists. Yeah, you would think it would be kind of the opposite. Yeah. Um, that, uh, wow, that is really strange. And that, and that, which was the Washington Post? Uh, yes. Hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's wow. a video journalist for the Washington Post, so. 
And so it so is it happening now? Is that right? Well, it looks like it's happened within the last ten or fifteen minutes, and I and now it's starting to look like they may have been pulling the people out of the way for for concern of their safety. But again, when it was originally posted, it said they were actually being arrested. Um, so again, very interesting to see any of this happening tonight. And and that's the bad part about it. And someone said that before, especially since they have officially banned Trump from all social media, yeah. is that we are getting so many different aspects of the story. We don't know what's true because everybody's streaming it live or everybody's taking photographs and things are getting put out of taken out of context. Yeah. Um, there was a young lady yeah. this afternoon who um, who got pepper sprayed, and she she's crying. She's outside, and the reporter goes to her, going, "Can you explain to me what happened?" She goes, "I was one foot in the door, and they pepper sprayed me." And he goes, "Why were you doing that?" She goes, "Because we were storming the Capitol. It's a revolution." And I'm going, "Really." These people yeah. thought they were going to have a revolution because that's what the president said. Yeah. So, it's all about the entertainment. It, it's I, all about the entertainment. Just think of the ratings. Make I yourself mean, the hero. This may be his new reality program. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 there's a part of me that thinks he's, he's heading to the slammer. Oh, I And agree. they're just adding on to stuff now. Well, and I think he's he's frightened to death because he, he's he's getting unhinged, and it's like you know we were saying before about the Twenty Fifth Amendment. I mean, maybe that needs to be invoked, uh, but there's uh, yeah, there's there's something really psychologically sick with him. And then I think we got we got thirty percent of our country is psychologically sick. Yes, and people were justifying. Well, Trump did a lot of good things while he was there, and I'm going okay. He did a few good things, and actually it wasn't him, it was his staff that did it. Because he was kicking and streaming no matter what idea that anybody had. Or, if Kim Kardashian was there and said we need to do prison reform, he was more worried about the photo op. So, again, it really wasn't anything political, it was just how did he look good on TV. But the ones I think are very interesting are his three kids who are mm -hmm. defending him. And it's like, do they yeah. understand that they can be indicted on charges also? Especially yeah. Junior today, for he was also inciting the riot that happened this afternoon. Absolutely. And, and and again, it's just just one of these situations where I don't think we've ever been in. We've never been anything like this before, and we all have so many questions. But I don't even know where to begin to ask. Well, that's the thing. Uh, the um, the Senate just uh, rejected the challenge to uh, Biden's win in Arizona. Okay. So the Senate just passed that. So that's so that's gone. Whether they're going to go back and do and try to do the uh, others, um, well, the is, is a good question. Well, the local news media in Pittsburgh said that. Um, the senator out of Missouri is still planning his objection to Pennsylvania. Yeah. However, they heard that he is going to actually yield his five minutes of time, but with him yielding the five minutes of time, that still opens it up for a two-hour debate. Yeah. Yeah. 
which again I think two hours is way too long. Well, but the one yeah. thing we haven't brought up is Georgia. Mm-hmm. Which, Absolutely. Which the Senate flipped this afternoon in the middle of this whole catastrophe, and it flipped and I, Democrat. Yeah, and and I think I think that had something to do with igniting things today. The fact that we knew, even though the Asaf. Uh, victory wasn't uh, declared official until probably, I think it was like about two or three after it had started, but it was pretty apparent. I, I know when I went to sleep last night, it was, to me, it was pretty apparent that John Ossoff had won. Right. Because I knew the votes that were coming in were going to be Democratic votes coming in from, I, think, I believe it was Cobb or DeKalb County. And it was like, okay, this is pretty apparent. There's there's no way that Purdue is going to get um any lion's share of those votes and that he was pretty safe. And I've got to think that that had a lot to do with the storming this morning. Well, the other thing I thought was interesting too, is when Pence started the whole thing today, he made the comments and basically saying that they were going to follow the constitution. They were going to proceed with law. And within moments of him saying that Trump then tweeted that Michael Mike Pence failed us. And now it's time to do our duty. And I'm thinking, Right then and there, you've just started, you started the downfall of what was going to happen today. And mm-hmm. just just how people, and these are people that were complaining months ago about Black Lives Matter protests and everything else, and and then tearing down of, of, of Confederate statues and things like that. And then they go in, they protest at the Capitol, they're doing the same thing. So mm-hmm. nobody's better than anybody else. I mean, the one guy, there's a photograph of him standing in next to the statue of Gerald Ford, puts a MAGA hat on him, gives gives the statue a Trump flag, and stands there yelling. There's a guy sitting in the Senate the Senate uh Senate chair in the middle of the floor. Yep. And the other thing that was scary, which again I, I explained to someone wouldn't have made a difference, all the electoral votes were sitting on the table in the Senate. And they were unprotected. Thank goodness a couple staffers came in and pulled them out. Now, if anything would have happened to them, they have backup. So it's not a big issue. But still, it's the it's the, the ceremonial purpose behind them. Absolutely. So, and it was, here, we're going to be martyrs. We're going to be heroes. We're going to do it. And it just, it just ties in. And we've, you know. But do you really think Trump thought this was going to overturn the election? Or was this just basically him trying to see how far his supporters were going to go for him? I think it's a combination of both. I, I think he's I think he's really aware of the fact that he's probably going to be indicted on January 20th. Okay. And I think that's one reason why he was trying to fly to Scotland. Oh, yes. And be out of the country. Yeah, I read that. Um, and so, you know, my guess is, is that I think he knows he's, he's, in a, he's in a lot of trouble, and a lot of trouble that the office of the presidency, once he's lost that, can't help him anymore. Well, uh, last time you and I talked was just after the election, and I made the comment that everybody said that Joe Biden should pardon him from any of his crimes. And then I've, I've heard 
I've heard uh, resistance to that idea, and and part of me agrees with it, part of me disagrees with it, but the state still has their rights to go after them, especially the Southern District of New York, have the tax evasion and everything else that he did, which would be just enough to put him away the same way they did Al Capone, and, and basically ruin his name. But if he would, I mean, if he would just resign and get it over and done with, I think his legacy would be a little bit better than what he has created. Because today is just, his name today is going to be associated in a lot of ways with Hitler. And that's the bad part. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel bad for his yeah. kids, and I feel bad for Baron, and I feel, I mean, really, they could have stopped this a long time ago. He could have done amazing things as president. Unfortunately, he was he is a narcissist and he is more worried about him than he is anybody else. Three hundred and fifty thousand people dead because of COVID because he didn't react. Three hundred and fifty thousand people dead of COVID because we can't get the vaccine rolled out because we really didn't put a plan into place. And I don't know if we talked about this before. I don't know if you you and I were the ones that said this, but um if he had literally said to people, wear a mask, yes. he probably would, would would be president still yes. going into 2021. I, I truly believe he would have been. And um, But again, he wants to destroy government. That's part of what he and a lot of people want. Because if you can destroy government, that's less checks and balances on you and your business and what you want to do. But do you think with this happening... It's it, it it's not destroying it. Will it strengthen government? I th- I think it will. I th- I think one of the one of the things that Trump has probably been most helpful about is he's he's taken he's taken the extremes of of the conservative ideology, and and a, and a proper conservative ideology you know probably works in a lot of different places. He's just taken it too far to an extreme. Um, that only works for, um, you know, a certain amount of people, a small amount of people. And I think by doing this, people are going to go, okay, we get it now. It's almost like, you know, if you go back to, you know, when Jimmy Carter was in, and not that Jimmy Carter was the cause of this, but when you got to the end of the 1970s, that was really the end of the New Deal. Right. The New Deal had run its way out. You know, we were, you know, from the 60s, we were pushing the socialists, the left, and we started doing that in the 70s. And all of a sudden, what we did was we, we killed business. And, you know, we weren't making money. We were getting crushed because we, we, couldn't, we, we couldn't make our own energy. And so Ronald Reagan came in. And, you know, not that I think Ronald Reagan was, was a, a great thinker of changing things. He rode the wave in because they were saying, like, you know what? We've got to start creating business. And that's when we started going more conservative. We started... We started that conservative run that Reagan certainly helped introduce. And believe it or not, Bill Clinton helped that conservative run. Because once we got into the 90s, Bill Clinton, even though he was a liberal, he really sided with a lot of Republican, especially the fiscal stances. Right. And in the 1990s, I mean, we had a surplus. Bill Clinton created a surplus for the government. And we had a booming economy. Now, a lot of that also had to do with the fact that the baby boomers were now getting into their 30s and 40s. They were getting powerful. 
Yes. And the baby boomers were taking care of the older people who had been in World War II. And for every four baby boomers, there was only one person who was in that earlier generation that we had to pay for. It's flipped now. It's flipped in the sense that the workers today, one worker is now paying for four Medicare and Social Security patients. So, so it's different that way. But my, my point, what I was getting at was, you know, when, when Reagan came in, that was the start of the end of the New Deal. And we started going with a very conservative way. And the conservative way worked really well. Where it started to really falter was when you got into 2006, 2007 with George W. Bush, where this conservative thing was, hey, you cut taxes. And yes. if you cut taxes, businesses are going to create jobs. No, no, they're not going to do that anymore because <laughs> you've got too many retirees we got to take care of. And at the same time, too, technology was coming in, and technology is getting rid of jobs. So you're going to get rid of people. You're going to get rid of jobs that people really need. So this whole idea of, you know, you cut taxes, corporations are going to give back. No, no, they're going to pocket the money. They're going to give it to their shareholders, and that's really it. And so we've got it. So we're to that stage now. And then Trump took it to that extreme where I do think we are going back to, and, and again, their fear of, oh, we're going to go communist now. We're going to go all socialist. We are going to start leaning a little bit more to the left. We've got to go back that way. Right. Because we've gone way too far to the right. Yeah. And so I do think you're going to start seeing you're going to start seeing them talking about not bringing back big government, but bringing back efficient government that is based on science, that's based on research. Um, I think you're going to start, and, and, you know, the conservative argument that, you know, the liberals, you know, especially, you know, in the 70s and 80s, created this big monstrosity of government where you had all these different organizations and uh, departments doing the same thing. It does have to be streamlined, but it doesn't have to be, let's just cut the knees off of government. Let's just get rid of it. We can't, we're, we, you know, we're beginning to see now, we're, you know, climate change is real now. Yes. You know, finally, I think in the last two years, we've kind of gone, you know, and I think we really do need to start looking at this. And at the same time, too, we're beginning to understand if you did climate change and you did green energy, you'd start creating more jobs. Correctly, yeah. And so I do think government is going to start coming back, but I think you're going to start seeing, it's going to be start running more like the military. And I don't mean they're going to be militaristic, but I think they're going to be task-oriented. Let's go tackle this task. And then, as opposed to having, you know, oh, here are 12 studies from different things. Okay, let's talk about it and try to figure, oh, we'll do this. with it. No, let's just go and tackle the task. So I think you're going to start seeing a lot of military people coming in. And I mean that in a good sense. I don't mean that they're going to be militaristic and they're going to start, you know. Right. I, no, I understand I understand and, what you're saying. Yeah. Because cause when you think about it, because just looking at it, and, and Trump was starting to show these signs that he was disagree. He knew how to play his base. And this whole thing with this $600 um, stimulus check, that some people have gotten and some people haven't gotten because they've lost them in the mail or they were sent to the wrong accounts. Um, he knew that the people that vote for him are the ones struggling the most. He knows that. 
And mm-hmm. basically it's because of him that they're struggling the most. So he got, said, let's give them $2,000. Well, the Republicans said, no, we can't do it because we can't afford we can't afford adding that onto the deficit, which is a ridiculous argument. And then the Democrats said, hey, wait a minute, we can actually jump on this and make us look like good guys. Mm-hmm. And I think part <laughs> of that had something to do with Georgia because the Dems said, we will help you by doing this. Now, I I don't know if we're going to see a a $1,400 difference in the next few weeks or not, which we may, not that I think it would put us any more in debt than we are already. But what I think is very interesting about it is when we put people in charge of these agencies, they don't have experience on what they're supposed to be doing, especially Mm -hmm. under the Trump administration. We had people that had no clue what they were doing. Let alone, we have a Department of Education. Right now, you have not heard Betsy DeVos in months. Mm-hmm. We have an organization that are doing unfunded mandates, that they are making districts and states do all this stuff, and yet there's no money to support it. Yeah, There has to be thought behind it. There has to be a group of people there that know what's going on in the field and not sitting up in their ivory towers saying this is what needs to be done. This whole infrastructure Perfect. spending that we have never seen needs to be done. <laughs> I, I, when I hear the word infrastructure now, I laugh. Which, which, which we all should laugh because it's, a, it's, a, it's that word that we keep hearing, oh, we can do it, we can do it, and it's never done. I mean, let's go through the East Coast, especially in the Northeastern states. There's more yeah. holes in the road than there is road. But yeah. again, we're not investing that money into it. And I hate to say this, and I and I, I, I do agree with it. If the government wants to get working for the people again, they need to get the people working. I know that's a catchphrase. But if you put if you if you would do the roads you would actually be hiring more people back to work on those roads. The only problem is you have contractors that are doing shoddy work and they're doing it for half the cost of what it should normally cost. So there's there's a way that this needs to be fixed. How? I have no idea because if I did, I'd be making more money. But... The, the corruption that we're dealing with, not only in government, but in every other part of society, needs to be looked at. Well, and I would agree with you. And uh, there was a really good article in The Economist that they talked uh, exactly about that and said that what they need to do is they do need to bring in private industry, but private industry has to be held to a certain uh, level where they can't just do cost overruns. Right. And if you're doing cost overruns, then guess what? It's coming out of your pocket. And so they're saying that the one of the things that the economist was saying was the, that the government itself isn't really good at being efficient as far as contracting and building is going. You need to bring the contractors in, but you need to hold them to a very high standard and a financial standard that they've got to come in under budget. So that's probably got to be done. Uh, so I think that's going to be one. And you're right. I mean, our infrastructure, you know, not only the roads, uh, not only our airports, uh, but the fact that we don't we don't have high speed fiber oh, going to every home. Yeah. And, you know, think of the kids that, you know, that couldn't go to school because of covid. What did they do at home? They just sat around doing nothing or getting into trouble. And, um, you know, they could have been learning. Um, you could, you could, you'll, you'll find a lot of really, um, 
uh, good economies in, in uh, small cities and rural areas popping up because people will be able to have their businesses out of their home because of high-speed fiber. Right. There's a great book called Fiber by Susan Crawford. I'd pick it up and read it. It's a fabulous book, and she talks about how the cable companies and the uh, wireless companies have stopped governments from doing this. And then there's cities like Chattanooga, Tennessee, that have put in, and their economy has been has been thriving as a result of it. And you're beginning to see that. So that's that's going to be things that are going to change. I also think, and I was talking with somebody else today, and I told them, I said, I think you're going to see drastic changes because I think this COVID is going to um, it's going to change the way we look at teachers, yes, um, frontline people who are like the doctors. Um, and it's, I think it's going to also hurt professional sports because I think, um, you know, what I hear from people is, you know, uh, I'm at home and I, here's this, you know, multi-million dollar athlete sitting in his house saying, Hey, stay at home, stay at home, do it for him. And you're like, I'm a frontline worker. I got to go out. I barely make eleven thousand dollars a year. You make 11 million and right. it's easy for you to say. Well, and not only that, and I, but the people that are working in these stadiums that have no livelihood right now, that are the vendors and everything else. So absolutely. you you got again. You're going to have to reinvent the wheel in some way so everybody can be taken care of. The one thing you mentioned interesting has to do with with education because I'm very close to that. Is that I think a lot of schools, especially rural rural schools, are realizing that in a lot of cases they don't need brick and mortar buildings anymore. They can do it online. Not that it's the most beneficial, but it's the most cost effective. You don't have yeah. to pay to turn the lights on. You don't have to pay for the heat. You don't have to pay for the custodians. You don't have to pay for that. What you're paying, I mean, provide the kid with internet, give him a laptop, you're still going to be saving more money. Yeah. I mean, and then find some collaboration with the kid because the kids, the kids really do need you know, that socialization, right? and they're going to need exercise and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's got to be a... Uh, and that's where uh, we go there, back... There's going to be a drastic come to it. And that's where we go back to the, the years ago with the community organizations, with, with the athletics teams that were run by the communities, or the, the churches, or whatever it may be. Um, mm-hmm. I also think, because colleges and universities in this country are lo- noticing, especially during COVID, that enrollment is down. Yep. that these universities are going to have to adopt a high school or adopt a school district and say, yep. here, we will give you this. However, we would like you to guide your kids to our facility when they graduate and work some type of co-op out between the two. I mean, the computer companies did this years ago. I mean, Apple mm-hmm. Computers, that no one ever heard of, was infiltrating school districts by giving them free Macintosh computers, and all they could play on them was Oregon, Oregon Trail. <laughs> but again, <laughs> people started buying Macs because of that, and I think that's what you're going to have to start seeing is is this private this private-public partnership done in a way that's going to be beneficial, not just for the business, but for everybody. I think you're right, but I also th- I think a lot of universities are going to start crumbling because yes. you know they're they're just they're not educating people. Um, I'm I'm in Brunswick County, North Carolina, so I'm right along the beach here. They have Brunswick Community College. It was just rated the number one community college in the country. This place is brilliant. It's taking care of people where they are going to have 
jobs, certifications for mm-hmm. things like welding, uh, HVAC, um, you know, EMS, um, and they're training local kids here, and kids are staying here. In fact, I went and I did a story on their EMS program, and the EMS program is so good. A girl from Kansas graduated from high school to Kansas and came out here to take a community college course. Wow. A whole program. And so what you're going to start seeing is is that, you know, and I've, I've got friends who have said to their kids, hey, look, I can't afford $65,000 a year for you to go to, you know, Boston College or something like that. Right. Either get a scholarship or you're going to the local community mm-hmm. college. And you're going to start seeing that, and you're going to start seeing a lot of these these big universities uh, who are, one, they're going to, you know, they're relying on their athletic program like football. Two, they've got huge uh, land that's that they're going to have to start selling it off because kids aren't going to be going there. They're right. not going to be using the dorms. They're going to be doing more virtual. And then on top of it, 10 to 20 years, a lot of these kids who are playing football now are going to be turning around and suing those schools because they've got brain problems. Yes. So you're going to start seeing. So you're going to see drastic changes, I think, as far as college goes, over the next ten to fifteen years, and you're going to start seeing the local schools, uh, especially the community colleges, are going to start taking off. Well, the 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 college, the the higher education model has not worked in years, and it, it, it especially the last thirty years, because a lot of people that went to college, especially the '80s, their parents worked in skilled labor or worked in the labor pool. And they didn't want their kids to go into their jobs because they didn't want they wanted them to think for a living, not work for a living. Well, guess what? Yep. You can't make money being a French literature student unless you're working at a university or 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 dealing with um, some basket weaving or something like that because there's no jobs for it. And the problem was we weren't looking for the jobs in the areas at the time. That's why we had such exodus out of certain areas especially the area that i'm in right now because people just left in droves lucky for me that they've reinvented themselves and came back because now we're one of the the medical um uh uh high points in the united states which i'm talking about the city of pittsburgh and now there's one south of me which is morgantown west virginia which also is doing it so you're right. They're going to have to reinvent themselves in a way that it's going to be attractive for everybody. But the problem is, are these, especially the professors, are community college jobs going to be paying livable wages? Because in the past, I know that was not true. Their students were making more than the professors were. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, that's going to, that, that, you're right. That has to change. But I think a lot of these communities that are going to thrive. Now, for instance, the community here, you cannot believe the people who are moving in here mm-hmm. and the people and the the communities that they're building down here. So that's that's going to be very helpful. So you're going to start seeing that. But uh, you're right. Some of these ones that are in poor communities where people are leaving, yeah, it's going to be difficult for them. Right. You're going to start seeing, you know, at first I thought you were going to start seeing more urban, and that was the case until the covid and now you're beginning to see people going out into the suburbs. The rural, so that's yeah. changing that. So cities are going to start having a hard time. So there's there's some drastic changes coming up and we just you know, I guess we'll know in 2 or 3 months when we talked again, you know, if the uh, if the vaccine has gotten out there enough where things are going to start opening up, but What do you mean 2 um, or 3 months? I have you scheduled the the week of the inauguration. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, who do you know? I'd like to know who that person is. 
Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to be. Uh, actually, I, I, I did just turn 65, so the good news for me is that I will get it somewhat earlier. But here in North Carolina, they've just opened it up to people 75. Okay. So, um, but I've got a lot of friends who are like in Connecticut, and they're, you know, they're the, under the 65 thing, so they're they're going to be waiting on it. But I'm guessing I won't get mine until probably. At the earliest would be late March, maybe early April. Uh, I, I'm looking. I think I'm looking at the same time frame too. So, but yeah. uh, PA hasn't really given a, a, a distinct schedule yet because we have so many health professionals in the state because of Philadelphia, because of Pittsburgh. Yep. Is that they're trying to get all the healthcare workers done first, and it's just um, it's just a, a feat that I don't think they ever anticipated they were going to have to deal with because I have family members that are in the medical community right now. And mm-hmm. um, a couple of them are actually giving it because they're pharmacists and they just say the, the, well, the requirements for the refrigeration for keeping these drugs safe because they're doing Pfizer drugs. They haven't got the Moderna yet. And the two week or the two or three weeks in between, whatever it is, there's just a lot of things that have to happen before the next group of people can get their shots. So, and there's just not enough enough right. being delivered because the, the government has screwed up. So, right, exactly, yeah. so, exactly. Yeah. Well, John, I appreciate you joining me tonight. It's a pleasure as always, and uh, I have you scheduled, like I said, the week of inauguration. So maybe we can <laughs> maybe we can talk about the the at that time will be the past fourteen days to see what has happened, if anything has happened, because I'm sure with the, with the White House we have right now, there's always something happening. So I'm sure we'll have something to talk about. Well, I mean, it can't get any crazier than today, uh, I don't think. Don't, I, I never say that don't normally. Say but that. I, you know, same time. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't, no, say right. don't say that. Don't say that. So, <laughs> hey, Al, John, you have a great night. We'll talk to you next time. Bill, appreciate it. Thanks, pal. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. John Daly here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Had an enjoyable conversation as we talked about the events on in D.C. today. Um, as we're going on that again, he'll be back on right before the inauguration of Joe Biden as we talk about what has happened in the past so many days after that. But until then, I am out of here. Back in on Monday night, we talked to uh, comedian and voice actress Anna Vecino. Uh, she's on the program many times. Enjoy having her here as we talk about what she's been doing in the uh, kitchen and also how she's been dealing with COVID. Guys, you have a great night. We'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. This has been a Million Dollar Baby production. For more information, go to italknet.com. Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up, and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumkey drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumkeycareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com.
Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.